Thank you for downloading this episode of the Mac Report Podcast. This episode is brought to you by our subscribers over at themacreport.com. Their support allows us to bring you our coverage of Merrimack Athletics. If you are a subscriber, I thank you. And if you're interested in becoming a subscriber and gaining access to all of our coverage, head on over to themacreport.com today and sign up. If you don't want to subscribe but still want to support us, please rate and review our podcast over on Apple Podcasts. Once again, thank you to our subscribers for making our coverage possible. And now, on to this week's episode. Uh, well, Ian, we said last week that for Merrimack to stay in the home ice picture for the Hockey East playoffs in the first round anyway, uh, they would probably have to take at least five out of six points against Vermont. They didn't do that. They split against the Catamounts. So while not mathematically impossible, uh, the, the chances of home ice this year for the Warriors in the first round, pretty much done at this point. Yeah, they're going to need a lot of help. Uh, especially with this weekend, no action. Uh, everybody else around them in the standings playing this weekend. Um, it, it's kind of disappointing too, right? Because they came out on Saturday night, took a one nothing lead, played pretty well in that first period. And then once again, I kind of thought the penalty trouble snuck up and it uh, it became more of an issue as the night went along and, we we saw it on the stat sheet. You know, a couple of guys ended up uh, being shown the door and grabbing first dibs on the hot water in the shower. So um, as well as Friday night went, Saturday night was kind of the uh, kind of the opposite. And uh, it's I'm sure I didn't get a chance to talk to Scott. I know you did because you traveled this weekend to uh, Burlington, but um, I'm sure Scott had some uh, similar thoughts on Saturday night as well. Yeah. Um... You know, I don't think he was very happy with the officiating on on Saturday. Uh, and, and some of those wounds were self-inflicted with the penalties. I, I thought, and, and to, to back him up on that, I, I thought the officiating was bad really from the second period on on, on Friday. Um, you know, I, Friday was a little bit different. There was just no flow in that Friday game at all. Like, they, they the first period was was a little wide open and it was good and, and had some free-flowing hockey. And then all of a sudden, the second period on both sides, the second and third period on Friday, just ticky-tack calls at both ends of the ice. They were calling everything. It was just like, what are we doing here? Uh, and then Saturday, it's, it was tough. I mean, I, I I see an argument on some of them. I thought the the call on Wyland, I think it was in the Saturday game, uh, the call on Wyland. Yeah, that, that, that was Saturday night, yeah. I thought that was a terrible call. I thought that was one of the worst ones I've seen all year. Two guys going for the puck, they kind of go shoulder to shoulder, uh, I think Wyland even kind of spun him and ended up in front of him uh, when the when the contact with the, with the boards was made and they called it, I think him for a hit from behind or a boarding. I was like, what? Uh, to the point where, let me put it this way, uh, people around me in the press box thought that the penalty was on Vermont. <laughs> Vermont people around me in the press box thought that the penalty was on Vermont <laughs> and it was on Wyland. Uh, the did no one I, either way that major, I can kind of see it going either way. I, I don't know that it was... To me, that was more of a, and we've seen this call before, where you, maybe it's a major without a misconduct. I don't think there was a lot of intent there. 
on Dino's. It was it was a it was contact in the back. Don't get me wrong, um, but we've seen that call before where it's been the major without the misconduct. The misconduct's usually there if they think there was some sort of intent or it could have been avoided. Uh, yeah. I think that was probably more a major without a misconduct or even a two minute <laughs> potential penalty instead of a major misconduct. I thought that was a little egregious. Um, and then yeah, there was a, a, a I forget. Oh, the, the Jeffries. Oh, the Jeffries one was a cross check to the head. So I mean, there's really nothing. You can't really argue that one, in in my opinion. That one with like a minute and a half left in the game, uh, that was the only one where I I said, hey, I think that yeah, that it is what it is, you know. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I don't think they played poorly. I, mean, I thought Friday was a pretty well played game, honestly. Maybe one of their better played games in a, in a while. Saturday, they just didn't handle it very well. When the penalties started piling up and when things started not going their way. Uh, they they didn't react to it very well, which unfortunately has kind of been a common theme this year. Right, like when things start to not go well, they, that's when they've struggled. Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's you know it's a microcosm of how the whole season's gone. I mean, you look at it, things started going, you know, not the way they kind of hoped for out of the gate out in Arizona and. You know, you lose a couple guys. You lose a guy in Alex Jeffries from the from the very start. He's not going to be healthy for your first week of the season, and then it turns into a couple. And you know, the injury bug, as we've talked about time and time again, it's just constantly sticking its head around. And you know, when ultimately last year's team seemed to always embrace the adversity, this year's team kind of shies away from it at different times, and you know, it doesn't necessarily know how to you know turn and look at a situation you know from a 3000 foot view you know okay yeah we get a we had a bad period go against us let's let's kind of put that behind us and, and come around here and you know whether it be the second or the third period here and, and have a overall better better 20 minutes than we did the last 20 but um no it, you're now at the you know at the will of what happens around you as we kind of talked about from the start here um Vermont now holds a three-point lead um, in the standings. Uh, excuse me, a five-point lead in the standings because it was it was a two-point lead going into Friday night and you know or Saturday night. And had they won, would have jumped over Vermont. Now you're now you're kind of stuck in limbo with both Vermont and UConn um, sitting ahead. Um, Vermont has three games in hand um, on you, and UConn also has a pair as well. Um, things are going to kind of sort themselves out. Vermont. Uh, comes down this way and plays at Boston College this weekend. So uh, you'll be rooting for Boston College this weekend to take all six points available there. You don't want to see Vermont pick up anything. So anything beyond 60 minutes is, you know, already going against your favor. Um, because as we talked about last week, Northeastern looks like they're probably going to finish somewhere around seventh. You know, maybe they fall to eight, but again, they have the tie break with Merrimack there. It, that, that really becomes null and void. Um, and then Vermont and UConn, who also is tied with um, Northeastern and seventh, will meet in the final weekend of the regular season. And you get three, you know, arguably the hardest part of your schedule probably down the stretch here is now Providence and BC to wrap up uh, following the off week. And um, any point you can get going the final you know, 180 minutes of hockey here is, you know, an added bonus at this time. Yeah. And the thing now too, is because of those games at hand, they don't even control whether or not they finish in 10th or 11th. I mean, just the, the current probabilities, uh, there's actually a 
bigger probability that they finish in in eleventh than tenth. Um, I. That being said, um, it's about a fifty-fifty split with them and Lowell if you kind of play it out from a scenario standpoint. Uh, they're currently right now a 49% chance. Merrimack is a 49% chance of finishing 11th, 45% chance of finishing 10th. So 94% chance that they're either 10th or 11th. There's a 5% chance they'd finish 9th. That still puts them on the road. <laughs> uh, there is a 1% chance that they finish 8th and a less than 1% chance that they'd finish 7th, but still technically they could finish 7th. The, the thing to remember, though, is because of those games in hand, they could win out. They could go three and all the rest of the way and still finish in 11th. They don't mm-hmm. control their own destiny, even for 10th, if they were to win out because Lowell has those games in hand. Uh, Lowell plays Providence this weekend. If we're talking about just avoiding last place, um, you know, nothing really helps Providence from this a, weekend. Yeah, nothing really helps them from a, a home ice standpoint other than Lowell, excuse me, Vermont getting swept. Uh, but it's still, because the games in hand still keeps it at only about 1%. If Lowell beats Providence, Merrimack goes from a 45% chance of finishing in 10th and a 49% chance of finishing in 11th to a 22% chance of finishing in 10th and a 73% chance of finishing in 11th. That's if Lowell were to beat Providence this weekend. So you're rooting for Providence. I guess uh, you want to stay ahead of of Lowell. Um, That will help you avoid the number one seed in the second round, assuming that you get out of the first round. Uh, You're rooting for BC against Vermont this weekend because that does kind of keep home ice somewhat alive. Uh, but again, just in terms of the numbers, we're talking about like a 1% chance, literally from a scenario standpoint, a probability standpoint, a 1% chance that they finish with home ice. Uh, it, it's, and it would require them to go three, and So you're telling me there's a chance there is technically. Yes. I mean, there's even a less than 1% chance they finish in seventh, which I don't know what the scenario is to play that out. Obviously it would have, it would have to include them going three, no. Um, yeah. So just, I mean, again, kind of looking at it right from a bigger picture here, Let's go by the assumption here that they finish in 11th and the standings kind of shake out where they're at now. Your top five, BCBU, Maine, Providence, and UMass, the sixth seed would be New Hampshire. So you would be going to Durham in the first round. Yeah. Yep. And and I think, and again, like you look at it right now and, and you really need Lowell to lose if you want to stay out of 11th because they're only two points behind you, which is less than a game. And they've got two games in hand. So if if you go by point, even if those two games that they have in hand go to overtime, exactly. But now you're tied, <laughs> and Lowell wins the tiebreaker. If you're tied head to head with Lowell, oh, because they finish higher up in the standings. Uh, no, because they it's head to head, right? And they went a win and a tie against Merrimack this year. That's right, because Taya, Taya, exactly. I forgot that. So, you know, the shootout win doesn't count as a win; it officially yeah. ends in the book as a tie. Yeah, that's right. So you have to actually beat them. <laughs> you can't just tie Lowell for tenth and eleventh. You'll end up being an eleventh. And so, look, with BC and BU, maybe it doesn't matter whether you're tenth or eleventh. You're you're going to play, you know, a juggernaut in in the second round, assuming you get out of the first round. What you really want to get to is is ninth, because but even then, like you might means means you got to go to Maine. Maine stumbled a little bit, but you know, Maine is still fourteen points behind BC. So yeah, it's not it's like also the Alphon in a postseason game. True. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, if, if you look at it, nine being like, what's the easiest road to the garden? I think the easiest road to the garden is probably ninth um, because I think BC and BU are just wagons. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to go to the Alphon in a, in a in a postseason game. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but they're two and four in their last six. 
you know, the easiest road is going to be finishing ninth. If we're talking about the easiest road of the garden, it doesn't mean that it's an easy road. It's just, it's the easiest of their possible roads. Uh, and for them to finish ninth, I mean, the, what the biggest thing they need this weekend are two things. They need BC to sweep Vermont and somehow Providence to beat Lowell. Providence beating Lowell helps them too. Yeah. To, to get up to ninth. But again, it's still, it only gets them to 6%. It, and, and it goes from a 5% chance of finishing in ninth to a 6% chance of finishing in ninth. <laughs> like it really. And also, I guess, too, if you want to look at it, right, UConn losing to BU would also kind of sort of help. Um, it would, uh, yeah. And again, I don't know what these probabilities would do if you were to combine them. That's the thing. Like, I know individually speaking, if BU beat UConn, it still is a 5% chance that they would finish in ninth. But if UConn wins, it goes from five to four. So, yeah, you would want BU to win that game. And again, like it, those, when you combine some of these scenarios, I can't, I don't have, I don't have the ability to combine them to be like, well, what if BU wins and Providence wins and BC sweeps, you know, if, if we were to combine all these scenarios and come up with a percentage, it, it may be different. It may, it may boost them a little bit more. Maybe you get to like a 10% yeah. chance, but again, still like we're, we're talking a very low percentage. Like it's relatively certain at this point, mathematically speaking, anyway, that tenth or eleventh is where they're going to end up. Yeah, I'm sure you could play with the numbers, or you could play with the results here and here, there, and everywhere. You know, four or five times over, and you're still probably going to get, you know, your percentage of moving from tenth to ninth or tenth to eighth, even potentially. Um, you know, it, it'll increase some way or another if you play around with the results enough, right? I mean, the probabilities have to increase in some way if things break your way. There's going to be potential situations where you look at it where uh, Vermont gets swept, UConn gets swept, you know, Lowell loses to Providence, and all of a sudden the teams that now had two or three games in hand on you only have one game in hand, you know, but, you know, maybe they also have a tougher matchup the next weekend. But, again, our, the schedule for Merrimack isn't isn't a cakewalk either. I mean, you got Providence twice. This is the first time you've seen them all year. Um, so you might get a little bit of a break. But, again, you're coming out of it and you're playing Thursday, Friday next week. You're not playing Friday, Saturday. Exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't, uh, you know, it, 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 it doesn't look great. <laughs> Uh, it looks like that's probably what we're what we're talking about. And again, like I don't think any of us really expected that this year would be the year we'd be talking about tenth or eleventh. I think you go through rebuilding years every now and again, but uh, with the number of experienced guys that they had coming back, you know, I wasn't expecting to be talking about a tenth or eleventh place finish this year, and I don't think they were either. Like, uh, you know, I I clearly wasn't expecting to. I I had them top. 12, I think, in my preseason national rankings. And, and a lot of places had them top 15. Um, most people had them top 20. So, uh, you know, I, nobody was thinking that we'd be talking about this. You know, and even still, it's, it's all relative because even where they are in the hockey standings, they're still like basically a middle of the road team nationally in the pairwise. I think they're 30th or 31st in the pairwise. Like they're in the top, barely, but in the top half uh, of the teams nationally speaking. But it, it, I think it goes to show you that A, they have struggled. Uh, that's number one. It also goes to show you that that everyone else around them, the league in general, got way better. And and that's something that I think would hasn't been discussed enough. BC got way better. BU got better. I think even where they were last year, 
Maine obviously got better. Providence is better. UMass is better. UNH is way better. Uh, like Vermont's better. Like most of the teams around them got better. Uh, so even if they were relatively the same team they were last year, everyone around them got better. And I think what was really happened is everyone around them got better and they took a step back. Yeah. No, and I mean, you also, you know, again, you benefited from some of the stronger powerhouse, you know, team names in the league last year having a bit of an off year. Maybe, you know, they were, you know, BC certainly was just trying to bridge the gap between, you know, last year being Greg Brown's first year and, you know, bringing in that freshman line that they have coming in, that they had come in this year that's just been lighting it up and, Part of the reason why they're the number one team in the country, you know, they, they benefited from some of those some of those breaks last year. Uh, Hugo Olas got both starts over the weekend. Zach Borgiel actually did not make the trip, uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Obviously, with the bye week this week, uh, whatever that situation is, there's some time for it to kind of play out. Um, but you know, I, I don't think he played poorly really in either game. Uh, I thought he played really well actually on Friday. Uh, I thought Olas was played one of his better games of the year uh, on Friday night, and I thought he was fine on, on Saturday. I mean, they they he gave up three goals on twenty eight shots. Um, again, they had some power plays in there. They had Vermont did. They had a lot of sustained zone time because of the penalties. Um, but I, you know, I don't think he wasn't the reason that they lost that game on Saturday night. Uh, one of those goals that Vermont scored wasn't the power play. Uh, but yeah, I, overall, I thought he looked good to the point where I, my assumption. And I don't know. <laughs> My assumption is that he will start, and this is a long way away, is that he'll start on the 29th against Providence, and he may start the rest of the way. Like, they, you know, one bad game could sway my opinion on that pretty, pretty uh, significantly, and I think it could with the coaching staff too. But I mean, for now, I think it's probably with three games left. If you're going to ride one guy you probably ride him. He started three games in a row here. So, uh, and has played well in all three of them. Yeah. I thought he tracked the puck well on Friday. And I certainly at times the Vermont power play on Friday, despite not getting the results looked decent. I know that they've struggled over the last couple of weeks, trying to get that power play unit going, but um, you know, he, he definitely made a couple of big saves, uh, especially late in that hockey game as Vermont was kind of making a push early in that third period. Um, Saturday night again. It's you're you're not going to be able to turn around and fault him for it. I thought he played well. He answered a couple of call a uh, couple of sh- opportunities early from Vermont. Um, you know, kept really kept them in that game early. But again, it was just the inability to um, find the finish that this team needs, and that we've talked about again for the last couple of weeks that they can't seem to put the puck in the back of the net. Um, Friday being a um, the asterisk, I guess, on the scoring chart over the last couple of months. Um, that was the most games they, uh, most goals they scored in a game, excuse me, going back to the army game, uh, in the Turkey leg classic. So that was a, uh, that was a bit of time ago. So it's been a while since they've scored more than, uh, four goals in a hockey game. Moving on to hoops. Uh, another successful weekend for men's basketball, obviously, uh, another successful weekend for Bud Clark. He was the co-player of the week and the rookie of the week in the NEC. Uh, Merrimack has they've gotten themselves in a position here. They got a big one on Thursday. Uh, this you may be listening to this after that Thursday game, uh, depending upon when we can line up 
guest for this week. <laughs> so the hope is that this drops before Thursday's game, but you may be listening to this after Thursday's game uh, against St. Francis and already know the result. Either way, uh, they they set themselves up to essentially lock up the NEC with a win on, on Thursday and a Central Connecticut loss. Mathematically, it would be like, you know, 97% or something like that. But it's it's pretty close to you magic uh to wrapping up that number one seed. Um and then that puts them in a position to really be in the driver's seat when it comes to making the NCAA tournament. And then I had a column up today, one of the things that I noticed looking at the NCAA net rankings are that they have a pretty good shot of let's say they they win out, right? If they were to win the NEC tournament, which they have to do to make the NCAAs. If they won the NEC tournament and win their last three games, it's a very strong likelihood that they wouldn't even be a 16 seed; that they might be a 15 seed. Yeah, talk about talk about making an imprint an imprint in the uh, college basketball landscape, right? You go from last year, not only you know winning the conference playoff, first time uh, first time being in the postseason, you won the regular season your first year. And now your first year of eligibility for March Madness and you're sitting here looking at being a 15 seed and not having to worry about going out to Dayton, Ohio for one of the first yeah. four. And um, even then, like they could be one of the top two 16 seeds and still avoid the first four. Like I, I think yeah. that unless like unless something nutty happens and they because look, they've got to win the NEC tournament in order to get there. So we know they're going to win those in, in order for this to be a possibility, they have to win their, their NEC tournament games. Unless they go like one and two or somehow go 0 and three down the stretch, they probably avoid the first four either way. Because if you're the top two 16 seeds, you still avoid it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and it, it, again, a lot of that depends upon what happens in some of these other conferences and who wins those aut- other automatic bids. But they're 186 in the net rankings right now. Like there's going to be teams in the 200s that win conference tournaments in the smaller conferences. That's just how it goes. So, They've set themselves up in a really good position to, like you said, avoid Dayton altogether and just go right through to the round of 64, which to me is what really counts. Like, I, you know, look, you're you're happy if you make the field of 68, you got to play in the first four because you made it. But it's not really the real, it wouldn't feel like the real tournament to me. Like you want to yeah. play it on CBS or on USA or TBS or whatever. True TV. Yeah. yeah whatever, you yeah. want to be playing on Thursday or Friday. I mean, if you play it on Tuesday night in the first four, does yeah, it counts, but does do you really feel like you were there? Like or do you want to actually be in the big dance? You want to be in the big dance. So that's where I feel like uh, you know, if this they've set themselves up to have a really good opportunity here to not only potentially win their conference tournament, but to avoid that first four altogether, which teams in the NEC don't usually get to do. No, I mean look at last year. Look at what happened, right? FDU want got in because again of the ineligibility with Merrimack. Uh they Played in the first four, they won, and then they went on. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Did 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 they make the? Were they in the first four? Did they have to play last year in the first? I, I can't remember. You know, I bracket. don't remember, but I assume that they did. Yeah. So either way, right? You're looking at it. They had to go play in the first four, and then they went on and they knocked off the six, uh, the number one seed for just the second time ever in tournament history. So I mean, it doesn't happen very often when you avoid that sixteen-one matchup. Yeah, sure. You know your odds aren't necessarily gonna skyrocket in playing the fifteen two matchup as opposed to the sixteen one. You know, yeah, you might get an upset every now and then. I believe Michigan State is probably one of the more infamous 
two seeds that got knocked off by I think Norfolk State, if I'm not I think mistaken. So. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, that was a pretty big one, a 15 over a two. Um, it's happened, you know, just like at some point a 16 seed was bound to beat a one seed. Um, so they do have that going in their favor. But I mean, again, this just goes back to the start of this season for them, right? Or start of conference play when we kind of talked about, you know, yeah, they were tested in non-conference play. That's what Joe Gallo wants to do. That's he always wants to schedule a tougher slate of non-conference games. So when it comes time to conference play, he knows his team is battle tested and they're ready. And again, we talked about it. They won three in a row in the conference to start off. They start off three and no, lost two to Wagner and at Central Connecticut, right? And they haven't lost since. They they just they don't let up. There is no quit in this team. It just it, again going back to the last week, uh, the Stonehill game. They were the run that they went on in the last sixty five seconds, six you know seventy seconds of regulation. It was like, oh well, I'm I'm not gonna lie. When they were down by five, I was like, yeah, this one might be over. I think the streak's coming to an end, and you know, get a couple of steals and a couple of. Big buckets from Bud Clark, who all he seems to do is put up big buckets. And next thing you know, you get a seven-game win streak and you're carrying it back home, you know, to take on an LIU team that you just beat a week prior. So, um, again, this team just continues to find ways, and I think it just furthers our point of this team might be the best basketball team Merrimack College has ever had. Yeah, yeah, I think... I, I think you're probably right. It's definitely up there. Uh, that's for sure. You know, that's definitely for sure. Uh, and it's interesting too, because I'm looking at this um, for what it's worth. And, and I don't want to get, you know, too far ahead of ourselves here. Merrimack today is, I just lost my place of where they were. They are 202 in the net ranking. as of right now. I thought they were 186, but they're 202. Um, but, if they're a 15 seed, obviously they avoid the, the playing game altogether. ESPN's later bra- latest bracketology has them as the 16 seed in Indianapolis, taking on Purdue in the first round. Purdue. Yep. <laughs> um, however, there is there are, or there are eight first second round sites. Again, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but for people that are looking at this, going where would we want them to end up? What's the easiest place to get to? Uh, Brooklyn is the easiest one to get to. So if you are, if they do get in. You are hoping for a matchup in Brooklyn because it's just the easiest one for people to get to, obviously. Uh, the sites are, uh, I just lost my place here. They are, there, there's games in the first and second round in Brooklyn, uh, Charlotte, Indianapolis, Omaha, Pittsburgh, Salt Lake City, Spokane, Washington, and Memphis, Tennessee. So Brooklyn's really the only drivable one. What would be the next club? Pittsburgh's probably the next closest. That's like an 11 hour drive. Yeah. So, and not to get too crazy. But the East Regional does yes. come through the garden. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I wasn't even going to go there, but you're right. Not, not you weren't, you weren't, but I will. <laughs> East Regional does come through Boston, folks. TD Garden is a uh, host site for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight this year. So, because um, I'm also keeping an eye on uh, Kansas out in the Big 12. Yeah, depending yeah. on where they end up getting situated. Hopefully, so it, it it would it would appear based on where, where everybody is right now. Like if Merrimack were to match up somehow with UConn. If they're the 16 seed, if they were to match up with UConn, they're probably in Brooklyn because UConn's Brooklyn, probably going to end up yeah. Brooklyn as a one. Um, if Merrimack's a 15, they probably don't end up in Brooklyn at all because UConn's going to end up in Brooklyn as a one more than likely 
which means that'll be a one sixteen. Those yeah, games will be yeah, a one 15. versus sixteen, an eight versus nine, and then a five versus twelve, and a four versus thirteen. So if yeah. they're a fifteen seed, it's almost guaranteed that they're going to end up having to go somewhere else. Um, you know, either Charlotte, Omaha, Pittsburgh, any of those other sites. But I hear Indianapolis is lovely in March. It is, uh, but if if they do end up as a sixteen, there is a chance that they could end up in Brooklyn as the sixteen versus UConn as the one. We'll see. That's probably the only shot they get of playing you know somewhat local and more than likely it's going to have to be a travel but either Again, way we're, we're counting chickens before they have we're getting way ahead of ourselves because they still have to you know win the win the nec tournament but of course the easiest path to winning the nec tournament is to be the number one seed because you guarantee that all your games are at home this team is 10 and 1 at home this year so uh, getting all of those games at home is their easiest path to getting into the ncaa's yeah right? simple as that there's, there's really, you know, there's not a whole lot of, you know, take care of your business like you have all season long. Take care of what's in front of you. Um. All right. We have some, quickly have some questions to get to. Yeah, we got a couple of Twitter questions. Uh, One from a listener. If the men's basketball team makes the NCAA tournament, again, as we were just talking about, you know, putting chicken or counting chickens before they hatch, they get a sizable check. I, I We all know that, you know, making the big dance comes with a, a good check for the Institute. They want to know how does that impact the athletics budget? Would it go towards maybe a new project on campus or do you think it might be sprinkled across the entire athletic department and every team sees a little bit of the, uh, a little bit of the prize. So it's funny. I actually did some research on this. I don't think it's as big as we thought it was. Um, last year, I, this was according to Sportico. Every conference is given uh, a a number of units based on how many teams get in and then also how far you go last year the units were $337,000 a piece basically I would assume based on although fairly Dickinson having a run last year may have actually helped the NEC but let, let's say they get one or two units because I, I don't think it would be any more than that they're getting eh, let's say somewhere on half a million dollars what I found out today, which I did not know about this, I assumed it went to the team. It goes to the conference. <laughs> really? And it goes to the conference, and it said the bigger conferences generally uh, disperse that to all of their teams. The smaller conferences may have to keep some of it for their operating costs and then distribute the rest of it to their teams. I think the NEC, and I could be wrong about this, I thought I someone told me this when Merrimack first joined the NEC. I thought the NEC has an agreement where that amount is split up no matter who gets in the tournament because there's it's just an agreement between all the schools that they're going to split that whatever that sum whatever that money is they're going to split it every year uh, so i don't think if merrimack were to make it they would actually get any more money than they would have otherwise because i believe and i could be wrong about this i will try to find out i think no matter what all of that is split every year between the teams in the nec okay learn something new every day didn't know about that one so, um, but I'll double check. Uh, once again, uh, from our good friend Marcus, kind of went over it a little bit in this pod. Uh, I wanted to know if we could get a projected matchup outlooks uh, for both hockey and basketball in the playoffs. Um, basketball, it certainly looks like they'll probably, if they clinch the one seed, they'll probably end up facing the team there. It's coming in Thursday night, St. Francis. Um, yeah. Unless something wild happens with Stonehill, um, one Stonehill loss locks up the eighth 
the eighth and final postseason spot in uh, in the NEC for basketball, and that again would require Merrimack to finish atop of the standings. So if they finish it first, it's more than likely um, St. Francis. But if for some reason they drop to second, you're probably looking at LIU. And if something wild and wacky happens and they fall down to third, because, again, as you mentioned in your column today, uh, there is still potentially a chance if, again, Merrimack goes one and two, um, and they end up in a tie with Central Connecticut for first place, and FDU finishes in third um, because Merrimack is one and one. What is it? Central Connecticut is one or two and zero oh against FDU. They would have the yes. tiebreaker there. Yep. Okay. So you're you're looking at uh, you're looking at either St. Francis, LIU, or Wagner as your three uh, basketball opponents in hockey is again potentially anyone from UNH to Providence and potentially uh Northeastern yes potentially okay yeah um so yeah I mean we again we kind of went over that um a little bit today um I'm not sure if you have anything else you wanted to add on to that just to correct me there you still got a couple minutes here uh no I think that about wraps it up yeah um all right well uh i think we're having an issue i think we're having a zoom issue here because my zoom says we have less than a minute left and yours says we have five minutes (laughs) yeah i think so yeah mine Mine has said less than a minute for a little bit here though and it has not kicked me off so yeah i'm looking at a live countdown it says 505 and counting that's interesting Uh, but anyway in case mine said less than a minute yeah who knows there's we see we will figure out our technology but no i think uh that all that all, that all adds up. Yeah, I think it's probably. Uh, I mean, I guess LIU could also end up in that eight spot. Like St. Francis could technically jump LIU, but actually, no, they, probably not. If Merrimack were to end up as the one seed, St. Francis would almost surely end up as guaranteed the be the eighth eight seed. Yeah, because it would have required a win over St. Francis. That's right. Yep. A lot of math involved. Yeah. I didn't know there was going to be this much math. Nobody told me. There was yeah, going to be this much. I'm a couple of calm guys here. We we were yeah. we were told there'd be no math required. <laughs> I don't mind um, it, but nobody told me there was going to be this much. Yes, simple simple math. Sports math is fun math, not the uh, not the a, a squared plus b squared equals c squared no. kind of stuff. You you lose no. me on that. Me too. Me too. Uh, okay, so. I think we've hit on everything. One more check at our rundown here. Yeah, I think we've hit on on everything here. Yeah. So, uh, where sure. else can people find you? I mean, there's we got some home games, no hockey games this weekend, but still some home games this weekend where people. Yeah, hear no, uh, no home men's ice hockey, but uh, I do have senior night for basketball on Thursday night. Uh, I will be at Lawler. Um, don't know if you'll be coming along for the ride, Mike. Uh, hope to hope to see you there. Figuring um, it out be... literally as we go. Um, yep. Vacation. Figure out which yeah, uh, which kid do I have to Uber to which practice, and can my wife do both, and will she kill me if she has to do both? That's what we're, that's what we're playing with right now. Yeah, so I may even be pulling in some bullpen help. I may even be be calling my dad in to pick up one of them. We'll see. Ah, there you go. There (laughs) you go. Well, yeah. So I'll be there Thursday night, and then also uh, I'll be back in Lawler on Saturday as the women's hockey uh, home regular season schedule wraps up, and it looks like it might be the final home game of the regular season 
um, and the season overall for the women uh, in North Andover this year is they kind of need a little bit of help um, from Holy Cross this weekend to jump main and get into that each spot and host the Black Bears. So right now, uh, for the women's side of things in hockey, it does look like Merrimack is going to be traveling up to Orono for a first-round matchup with the Black Bears on the women's side of things. All right. Uh, that... I think does it. We, we've pretty much hit on everything. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Thanks, Ian, as always. Uh, stay tuned. Be back in just a moment. Sage, what about this stick? I like the orange in it. No, Mom, what is this? This stick is so dusty. There's no more Geno's left in it. I can take it from here, Mom. What kind of tweet are we looking for here, bud? Just a stick so I could toss sauce Chef Boyardee style. Something more apples versus buckets. Yeah, as long as I could still snipe Bar South and Sally. All right, I got the perfect twig for you. It's going to be this stick here, mid-flex point stick. Completely accurate for buy down every time. This is awesome. I love it. TSR Hockey. We speak your language. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, no guest this week, unfortunately. Uh, I had some scheduling issues on my end, uh, which just didn't line up uh, with some of the stuff we were trying to do this week. So we'll have more guests next week, probably two, uh, maybe even three. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. There'll be a lot going on here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but we'll be back with uh, some guests next week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Ian and I breaking down basketball's playoff chances, possible matchups, hockey's playoff chances, possible matchups. There's obviously a lot going on. Uh, it's the busiest time of year for what we're doing and what fans of college basketball and college hockey are doing. Uh, but it's the fun. It's the best part of the year. It's the busiest, but the best part of the year. So hope you enjoy this week's episode. We'll be back with more next week here on the Mac Report Podcast.